Welcome to the WPC Sermon Podcast from Westminster Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. This week's sermon is from Head Pastor Owen Stepp, titled, When You Run Out of Gas, and is part of our sermon series, Psalms for the Road. To find more information on our worship services and live stream, check out our website, westminstercharlotte.org. Now enjoy this week's message from Pastor Owen. Our scripture reading this morning is Psalm 42. And before I read the psalm, you know, during Jim's final few weeks, Ruth was reading him the psalms every day. And she read them from her old Bible that she's had for years and that she highlighted. And they got through, I think, the 50th or 60th psalm before he passed. And so yesterday when I was visiting her, I looked in her Bible to see what verses from Psalm 42 she had highlighted. She had highlighted verses 1 through 3 and verse 11. So please keep that in mind as I recite this portion, the entire portion. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went with the throng and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted with me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you, from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the thunder of your cataracts. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully because the enemy oppresses me? As with a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me, taunt me, while they say to me continually, where is your God? Verse 11, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. God, now add to the reading of your holy word the power of your Holy Spirit, that it might be the word of life to those who hear it today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, moment of honesty, friends, today. How many of you have ever run out of gas in your car on the road? Some honest people and some maybe not. (laughs) Last year, I got a new car. Uh, the, the beaut- I became a minivan dad last year, and it was an upgrade in every sense of the word from my previous vehicle, except for one thing. My previous vehicle had a nice chime in it that would chime when you were 20 miles from empty in your gas tank. I had no idea how dependent I had become on this noise, this reminder along the way, because the new minivan, as nice and with all the technology and everything else that it had, it didn't give you any warning. 
until a light would come on and then it was empty. It got me in trouble once or twice. One time in particular was when we were actually driving to Charlotte with our family to see our new house and our new church and to bring the kids and all the rest of it. And Carolyn was well acquainted with my tendency to overlook the gas gauge. And we were driving up through the state of South Carolina and all of a sudden to my horror, I looked down and the light was on and the needle was like below the red part. So I quickly cycled through and you know, there's something in the, in the dashboard that tells you how many miles you have till empty. The number was zero. Carolyn was not nominating me for Father of the Year at that particular moment because the next exit was several miles ahead of us, it seemed. We cruised into the gas station and I let out a sigh of relief. I have run out of gas twice in my life. And you know the feeling, many of you. It starts to jerk and shake and all of a sudden you're just coasting until you come to a stop on the side of the road. Sometimes our lives are kind of like that. We're reading these psalms for the road, understanding that even as we travel in the summertime, we go through seasons of life. We go through journeys of life. And the psalms, as Carol so beautifully talked about with her father-in-law, even as he was coming to the time where he was going to meet Jesus, the psalms were his bread. They were those words that spoke to that season of life and to every season of our lives even those seasons where we feel like we're running out of gas. Psalm 42 is a psalm for those times. In fact, Psalm 42 is for the soul that feels farthest from God. The soul that feels farthest from God is not the one who has never known God, never felt close to God, but the soul that feels farthest from God is the one who has experienced intimacy with God closeness, nearness of the presence of God, and now feels like God is absent. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever been in that spot? It is someone who's encountered the living God personally and misses God. The great preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote an entire little book based on this psalm called Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and Its Cure. Spiritual depression here illustrated in Psalm 42 is with a person who longs for God as the deer pants for water. This is not a tranquil forest Bambi kind of scene that is set for us here. For the deer, water is not a luxury or an accessory. Water is a necessity of life and without it, we die. There is a depth to the feeling of spiritual depression that points toward a desperation for God. Knowing that if I don't have God, I have nothing. And in this Psalm, David is not seeking an idea or about God or a religious right to practice or somebody else's idea of God. David is seeking God himself, the real deal, the genuine article, the rock, the redeemer. Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. His feeling of being far from God is described in verses three and four when he says, my tears have been my food day and night while people say to me continually, where is your God? 
These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went with the throng and I led them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. He's saying, God, I remember being that guy. I remember being in the family of God and even leading the family of God. Where are you? Tears have been my food day and night, he says. The nights of crying our eyes out because it's not fair. And I don't know what's going on in this world. The problem, though, is that I remember who you are, God. I want to feel close to my Heavenly Father, and God seems to feel so distant. Externally, he says, people mock me, and they mock the one I seek. Where are you, God? This isn't just a bad day or a case of the Mondays in life, right? This is a genuine soul-searching for the one who created it and has created it for himself and loves him. It's a profound spiritual reality when we as the children of God feel distance from our Heavenly Father. We remember the words and we remember the songs and we remember what we used to do back in the old days. But somehow the Spirit seems to have left us. There's a disconnect between those memories that we have and the place where we find ourselves today. If you've ever felt that, if you feel that today in your own life, this psalm is for you. How do we find healing from our spiritual depression? How does God bring us back from the pit into intimacy with himself? Is it as simple as repeating the right words? Do any of you remember the old Saturday Night Live sketch with Stuart Smalley? He was a self-made therapist in his own image, right? He said, I have no training for this. But as he came to the end of his advice to himself every week, he would look in the mirror and say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Is that enough? Is that enough to pull us out of the place of despair when we feel distant from God? Can we look into the mirror and say some magic words? of affirmation for ourselves. Doesn't seem like it's quite that simple. Verse 5 gives us a pivot in this song. From the place of despair to the place of God. And it's the first exercise of the question, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? That word, disquieted, in Hebrew, carries the connotation of a boat being tossed about in the sea. Oh, my soul, why are you being tossed about within me? Why are you anxious? Where is the storm that is troubling you? It's an unsettled feeling. It's the picture of a soul as a boat tossed about in the sea. And of this moment, Martin Lloyd-Jones writes, have you realized that most of our unhappiness in life is due to the fact that we are listening to ourselves instead of talking to ourselves. Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they're talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday and the worries of tomorrow. Somebody is talking. Who's talking to you? 
yourself is talking to you. Now this psalmist's treatment was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? His soul had been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, Self, listen for a moment, for I will now speak to you. How often do we hear those voices in our own lives that cast us into doubt about where God is? Can we speak to ourselves in those moments the words of faith? Can we preach to ourselves by the power of the Holy Spirit in a moment that we feel distant from God to say, yet this is the one who created me. This is the one who baptized me in those waters. This is the one who said he would be faithful and has been in these places along my life. Even when I don't feel the presence of God, I know he is there. Those are the words that we speak to ourselves and preach to ourselves in our hours of darkness. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. The psalmist says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. The first step in healing of our spiritual depression is to hope in God. Truly one of the primary markers of depression is hopelessness and despair. Some of us in this room could write down our own volumes of the times of despair and hopelessness of our lives. The psalmist speaks to his soul and says, hope in God. Part of our problem is that when we are down, we have a perspective problem. We hope in ourselves. We hope in our intelligence. We hope in our money. We hope in our family. We hope in our strength. We hope in our endurance. And at the end of the day, none of those things can save us. None of those things can heal us, heal our bodies, heal our souls. There is only one, the creator of all those things that can heal them. Hope in God, he says. The alternative that David gives us is to hope in God. Hope in the God who created all things from nothing. Hope in the God who delivered a slave people from Egypt to the promised land. Hope in a God who parted the Red Sea. Hope in the God who empowered the shepherd boy to slay the giant Goliath. Hope in the God who protected David in the wilderness when souls trying to kill him. Hope in the God who brought people back from exile in Assyria and Babylon. Hope in the God who came to earth as the child of a virgin who lived and died and rose again in power. Hope in God creator and healer, our savior. We Christians can sing with conviction, and we should sing with conviction these words to ourselves. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Do we trust in something else, or do we hope in God? Lloyd-Jones puts it this way in another place. God says, be still and know that I am God. But we must not interpret that be still in a sentimental manner. It's not an exhortation for us to be silent. It means give up. Give up and admit that I am God. 
God is addressing people who are opposed to him in that verse. Friends, today the invitation is to give up, to admit who God is and how much we need him in our lives and in this world. Hope in God. Let God be our hope and our help in all times. But we must remember that deliverance and healing don't always happen overnight or very quickly. We've heard a testimony this morning of a long way that God has brought them. The reason I love that passage from Deuteronomy is God says to the people of Israel, remember the long way that I have brought you. The children of Israel didn't go directly from Egypt to the Promised Land. It took 40 years of wandering in between. And how many of us know of that place where we declare our hope in God? But the fulfillment doesn't come in that moment. Indeed, we have to wander through a wilderness of our own, a place of confusion, a place of disorientation, a place of hopelessness and despair sometimes, where we still claim, I am hoping in God, even in the wilderness. It doesn't happen overnight. That's why verse 11 is a repeat of the earlier words. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Enemies still mock, saying, where is your God? And I still have struggles with, why have you forgotten me? Why have you abandoned me, God, in my hour of need? But more than the trials, more than the inner questions and the outward mocking, I hope in God, because God is the only one who can truly heal. God is the only one who can truly save my soul. But it doesn't always happen overnight. Sometimes it's a long time before we emerge from the pits. This week, a friend of mine sent me a devotional on spiritual freedom that I think is a great illustration for the long way that God often brings us and how we may walk in the meantime. The devotion reads like this, the longer I reflect on free the freedom we enjoy, the more I'm amazed on what has become the actual date of Independence Day. As we all know, on J July 4, 1776, the Second Continental Congress signed the Declaration of Independence, claiming legal separation from the British Crown. The Brits, however, didn't quite see it that way. And so the formal beginning of the American Revolution was born. What I'd forgotten from my school days was how much time passed between the day we declared independence and the day we actually secured it. While the revolution began informally in early 1775, it didn't end until the final treaties were ratified in 1783. That makes the American Revolution a longer war than World War I, World War II, the Civil War, the Korean War, and the conflict in Vietnam. During that period of time of almost an entire decade, Americans wrote songs about their new nation that hadn't been won yet. They stitched national flags for a country that didn't yet exist. And they fought for a freedom that had been declared but not yet experienced. 
There's a key lesson from that decade of struggle. There was a long time between declaring independence and securing freedom. And that's often the way it is in our spiritual lives as well. The pattern is clear. God longs for and uses people who will declare their victory long before they have seen it come to pass. Think back to the Israelites, he closes, who marched around Jericho long before the walls fell. Remember Noah who built the ark while the sun was still shining. Remember the prophet Isaiah who said a virgin, a virgin would bring forth a child, our Redeemer, 600 years before it happened. And remember Jesus saying that he would rise before he was killed. There can be a long time, a long time of struggle between declaring our hope in God and fully receiving his deliverance and healing in our lives. Before we fully receive the restoration of a close and intimate relationship with our Father in heaven. But friends, I invite you to take this mantra from Psalm 42 for your prayers, for your life, wherever you are today in your relationship with God. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, I pray for the souls here today who are out of gas, those who are tired, particularly those who feel distant from you, those who have led the procession in the past, they've led the worship of your name, they've prayed and felt the Holy Spirit in their lives. <coughs> but they do not any longer today. God, give us grace to hope in you, our help and our God. Be near to us, Lord. Draw us near to yourself. And in the meantime, let us declare you our hope, our joy, our song, our deliverer in all things. Lord, we look forward to the full salvation that you will give us one day when we see you face to face. But in the meantime, let us walk by faith, hope, and love in this world that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Pastor Owen. If you'd like to find out more about our church or view a video of the full service, visit our website, westminstercharlotte.org. We look forward to seeing you soon.